This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity Mates, episode 19, back again and excited as always. Uh, we're going to bring you another episode where we try and break down the world of investing for you to, to try and make it easy and accessible. Um, as always, I'm here with my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you for episode 19. Very excited about this one. Yeah, it, it, it is a good one. Um, we have been fortunate enough to... Uh, do another interview following up from our successful Alan Cole interview last weekend. Um, I suggest having a listen to that if you haven't already. But this week we chatted with a fellow called Ted Richards. Um, very topical as we've got the AFL Grand Final coming up this weekend. Yeah, or uh, yesterday so a... as, as you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully yeah, the Tigers won. Well, Adelaide for me. but oh, um, Interesting. If you want to give us a bit of a spiel about um, Ted Ren, um, take it away. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Teddy Richards is he's a bit of a household name in the AFL supporting circles, but not one that many people would associate with investing. So Teddy was a footy player for the Essendon Bombers for a couple of years and then came up to Sydney and played for my beloved Sydney Swans, lost the grand final in 2006, but won the grand final in 2012, was the uh, runner-up in the club's best and fairest and was named in the All-Australian that year. So a banner year for Teddy in 2012. What's less known, though, is uh, Ted also has a interest in finance. Uh, he's completed a Bachelor of Commerce and a Master's in Finance while being a professional footy player. Now retired, Teddy hosts his own investing podcast uh, called The Richards Report. And he works for the automated investment management service, Six Park. If you don't know what that is, we'll explain it in the interview. Uh, we're really excited to have Ted on to discuss his unique journey into the investing world and some of the things he's working on now. So without further ado, here's Teddy. Up the crows. So we'll, we'll get stuck into it. Um, I guess you've been a very successful AFL player and you started the um, Essendon and went to Swans um, and you've won a flag and all named All-Australian, finished second in Club's Best and Fairest. And 
that's probably a side that a lot of people know you for. Um, but the other side that not many would know, I, I assume the, the general public anyways, is your sort of commerce background. Um, you've got a master's in finance. So let's just start at the beginning there. Tell us a bit about your background, if you can, and what sort of got you interested initially in investing? Well, I I was never, a, a, as much as I love football, I don't feel like I was ever a, a player that saw myself as being someone that would have a 16-year career. So I always, um, once I was drafted at the age of 17, had it wanted to have something as a backup, just in case I got a tap on the shoulder at any stage throughout my career to, to say that uh, my career was over. So I worked hard at football to make the most of... Uh, the career that I could have there but at the same time by working in my studies or uh, work outside of football it, um, it meant that I kind of it kind of uh, was reassuring to know that I was putting things in place if football didn't work out. So how did you manage to balance uh, football with the your sort of interest in, in commerce and um, was it was it easy or is it something the club supported or, or how did you sort of get around that? The, the Cubs do support it, and uh, as much as I wish I could say that it was easy, it was it was hard work, and um, I guess it was trial and error, balancing football and study, and a lot of my friends are in study, had one strategy, which is you know, common with most, is that you, um, you very much cram towards the end of, your, uh, of the semester, <laughs> whereas, yeah, we, yeah, which is what most do, but for me, priority is my routine and being disciplined for football, which meant that my sleeping patterns and diet couldn't be put um, in jeopardy. So I had to try and be the model student that's engaged right from week one and um, and make sacrifices in other parts of my life to be able to, um, I guess, you know, get the marks and pass the subjects that I did. Mm. Yeah. So thinking back to some of those early days, aside from obviously having to be a professional footballer on top of learning about investing, what were some of the hard things you found about getting started and what lessons did you take away that you sort of tell other people who are thinking about starting um, or just starting their investing journey? A lot of put, people put emphasis on um, you know, tertiary qualifications, and, but I, I think you can get fantastic insight and information from reading books um, and also listening to podcasts too. But um, the, the book that hooked me was a classic Peter Lynch one up on Wall Street. I think I read that about the age of 17 or 18 and um, that was what really got me excited at the possibilities of investing in the markets. But you know, there's obviously um, many books written about and by Warren Buffett and um, and Charlie Munger, those two are fantastic. But um, my favourite, one of my favourite books is probably Howard Marks. The most, what is it? Uh, the most important thing. I think people can get a great education from just uh, reading those books. Yeah, it's something that a few people that we've interviewed on the show have uh, definitely said is the biggest uh, way that they or anyone can improve their investing. And you mentioned, you know, Charlie Munger and, and Warren Buffett. So. Is that your in chosen sort of investing style or philosophy? Um, or And is that what you started out and has it changed since? Or can you just give us a bit of a rundown on, on what your investing style is? Yeah, so um, I, I guess uh, my investing style is probably taking a bit of a, an evolution over 
um, since I was about 17. So I got drafted in, uh, to the Essendon Football Club when I was 17. And when the paycheck started coming in, I started thinking about what I was going to do with, uh, with my money. And somewhat naively, maybe a bit arrogantly, I, uh, I thought I'd invest myself in the stock market. And I, I learned some pretty expensive lessons and that I was trying to chase speculative stocks about rumours that I'd heard in the change rooms. And I was probably, without actually doing any of analysis myself, and I was doing things that people should do the opposite of. And um, yeah. so uh, those are the early days. And I you know, then did a bit more reading. And when I finished my Bachelor of Commerce, I did, I worked for two years um, whilst I was still playing football at Citigroup in research sales. And um, right. when you're working along with brokers, it was very educational for me, but with brokers, I guess uh, it's all about flow and you know stocks of the day. And um, so sometimes I'd get, I'd get caught up at a hype of these stocks of the day without without mm. taking real long term views. And I, I don't mean to speak um, down of that. My time at Citigroup was fantastic, but I think um, it wasn't until. I did four years working under a fund manager who I think is Australia's best fund manager, John Sevior, a real value value guy that is the opposite to someone that's going to get caught up in the hype of a speculative stock or a stock of the day mm. that is happy to be contrarian in his views and to buy when everyone else is selling. I, I, I think I, I did take a lot from my four years there. So I do have um, a big conservative value mindset to uh, to my strategy but at the same time working in the passive side now yeah, i right. can see that um i i um yeah i work for in automated investment and we invest passively i think that serves a role for people that uh, aren't in the markets every day and on, to on top of each what uh, company is doing so um i'm probably probably uh a bit of a fan of uh the the passive side, but also maybe a bit of a hub and spoke where you can have a, I guess, a, a, a strategy for, for one area and then maybe, um, I guess, some stocks that you think you might have uh, um, an advantage in, in and uh, but also investing in those two. It's a bit of a long answer, that. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you've just touched on it there. You're you're now working on, um, you're working for Six Park uh, and they do yep. automated investment they're an automated investment management service maybe for yep. all our listeners out there we'll start at the very beginning can you explain what an automated investment management service is yeah so we're we're just like a financial advise, advisor advisor that we can give investment advice but instead of being face to face and, and paying the fees and having the costs that are incurred there we automate that process and by doing that um, it heavily you know, heavily reduces um, the fees that we charge our clients. So it's it's just it's professional investment advice. And um, Six Park, that's the business I work for. Our investment advisory committee is uh, made up of four gentlemen. Two are our founders um, out of J.P. Morgan in New York. One is ex-J.P. Morgan of Australia, who and he sat on the the Future Fund of Australia. He got another member of the Future Fund involved. Paul Costello, and they've also got Lindsay Tanner involved, the ex-minister of finance for Australia. So those four gentlemen are, um, are the ones that choose uh, 
pick and choose the investments and oversee the investments as opposed to me, the uh, the washed up footballer. <laughs> Just to understand it, so do they are they out there picking stocks as you know, or like giving it like creating like an overall strategy, or is it all sort of algorithm based and then they're the they're like building the business? So it, it is algorithm based. Um, we are a robo advisor. Okay. Um, so. so the way that it works is people answer questions online to get a, a risk assessment and that risk assessment will give um, go through our algorithm and we'll then be able to give them a, an asset allocation um, specific to their, their risk assessment, which will be made up of seven assets, each in different proportions to, to their risk, alloc- uh, risk profile. And um, they'll all be invested in the market and overseen by the, the four gentlemen I mentioned before whose job it is, one of them described it as spotting the potholes along the way. <laughs> okay. Just make sure the algorithm's not throwing up some, some real out-of-left-field stocks. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. and, and we, we do invest passively. So um, instead of, I'll say, we'll, when we get out... Yeah, so instead of, say, for our... Um, uh, when we invest in the Australian market, instead of us picking stocks there, we'll take the ASX 200. Yeah. And... Um, um, that's that's a passive investment. We we think that um, it's equally important to look at fees, but all uh, so returns, but also fees. And um, by taking this approach, we, we're still getting great returns, but your fees are just a fraction of um, of what they would normally be if you were seeing a financial advisor face to face. I should also add that um, Lindsay Tanner said this the other day that um, as much as we do value. Um, the algorithms that we used, you still need the human oversight because the example that he used is no one's invented an algorithm yet for for um, Donald Trump. So, yeah, and I don't, I don't think anyone ever will. So yeah. um, technology is great up to a certain extent. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sounds interesting. So just for our listeners or those that are looking to, you know, get get started, can you just give us a bit of detail on the finer print? Like, is there a minimum that we may need to get get involved and can we um, add to it as we go in, in small amounts or, or what's the sort of finer details of starting with Six Park? Yeah, so uh, the, the way we work our minimum investment is $10,000. You'd go through the risk assessment online to get your asset allocation. Um, if you're happy to proceed from that, would open up a cash management account with Macquarie and a trading account with Open Markets, which is all in your own name. You'd be invested in the market, would do all your trades for you and you're rebalancing when required. You can add to it when you want to or um, draw funds down. And um, this is all included in the management fee, which is just half a percent. So on $10,000, that's 50 bucks a year, mm, which mm. is, you know, if you're doing just one Cheap. trade, you're probably up for 20 bucks. So yeah, definitely. if you're doing trades a couple of times a year for seven different assets, yeah, the, the fees do add up, which, but we just keep it at, at, at that uh, half a percent. Yeah, nice. So it's, um, it's funny that, you know, we are interviewing you. Um, our last episode was an interview with Alan Kohler and he is he was railing against passive investments and ETFs, um, yes. and is very is very pro uh, active management um, because he thinks that you still are going to get better returns. And it's his his argument basically boils down to you sort of get what you pay for when you're talking about fees. 
So how have you found, uh, how have you found that, you know, have you, have you been uh, sort of poaching clients from actively managed uh, funds because of your lower fees or have you seen people uh, leave ETFs to go back to active management? What, what's the interplay between sort of the passive side of it and the active side of, of the industry? It's, it's, a, it's a very good question. And um, I, I think that active, um, active management serves a purpose too. But the reality is the numbers speak for, some, for themselves that most active professional fund managers underperform their market. And I know yeah. of a, an S&P uh, study that was done in 2016 that looked at um, Australian active fund managers, and I'm talking professionals, hmm. that I think 70% underperform their benchmark. So um, if the professionals find it hard um, to outperform the market, I think most part-timers need to really question are they getting returns consistently above the benchmark if they are they're in the minority and well done you're doing that you're doing what most people can't but i think um i think for most people though um it's hard to hard to consistently get those numbers and that's why we we believe that the uh the passive investment and just getting the market returns is um is a good strategy yeah definitely I think um, it's pretty hard to argue with the weight of evidence over recent years and the amount of money flowing into the sector is pretty much testament to, to the returns that you can get. Um, and Yeah, and we also, if, if um, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest investor of all time, Warren Buffett, is when he passes away, once his money invested um, passively in index funds, yeah, um, that, that's that's a big tick for our investment strategy too. Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Definitely. So, when, so you, you talked about there were seven asset classes that you will invest in. What, what asset classes won't you invest in? Is there anything that you don't, you don't touch at Six Park? Uh, so our four growth assets are uh, Australian equities, international equities, um, uh, we've got uh, international property, and the f- fourth is emerging markets. They're our fourth four growth assets. Our our three defensive assets are infrastructure, fixed fixed interest or bonds, and uh, and cash. So we do cover a lot. Um, we have, you know, across those that spectrum, mm. we we choose not we not we choose not to invest in gold. Um, okay. I think mm. there's a there's a lot of uh, volatility there, and 
Um, uh, currently, right now, some of our investments are um, unhedged. We, we we don't form opinions on currencies, which which has um, worked against us, you know, in the last month. But we're, we're of the belief that um, we, we want to keep that unhedged. Okay, and no no sort of super exotic, you know. Bitcoin ETFs or uh, anything like that. <laughs> uh, uh, it, well, personally, I don't. You know, we we don't we don't invest in that. We 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 um we love proven investments with a great track record with you know with liquidity and um. But on a personal note, I do find it fascinating to read about um, the technology that is blockchain and how Bitcoin and Ethereum are you utilizing that and um, um, there's but some very valid arguments being put forward as to why this is something that is um, here to stay but um, I'm happy to miss out on that if I miss the boat there yeah yeah something a, a few of our mates have been getting involved in but um, yeah who, who knows what's going on so you know there's a lot of chat at the moment um, about valuation of markets both domestically and internationally and volatility volatility of political situations and obviously bitcoin and that sort of stuff so i mean i'm sure at six park there's been conversation about the sort of macro goings on of the world do you sort of have a view of of where we're sitting at the moment and what might be coming down the track or and and sort of how your portfolios weighted um for certain events to occur yeah, so I, I sit in on the investment advisory committee, but um, I'm not I don't actually uh, I'm not actually a member of, of that committee. So, and I I'm lucky to be uh, able to absorb the information that um, these gentlemen speak about. So Brian Watson and um, Paul Costello, Lindsay Tanner, and Pat Garrett, they they speak about very much macro macro themes and um, issues that they they think are are on their watch list. Uh, three months mm. ago, they were of the opinion that interest rates around the world may start to creep up, which okay. we haven't seen in Australia as of yet. But to mitigate that risk, they 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 uh, decided that they'd slightly lower all our clients' allocation to to bonds, just on the odd chance that um, rates did start to increase in the foreseeable future. So. Um, that's something that we've seen um, at Six Park that we're, we're um, I guess, trying to put things in place to if it does happen. But apart from that, it's it's a dangerous game forecasting. It's a dangerous yeah. game forecasting tomorrow, let alone um, yeah. six to twelve months time. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So I guess we should turn to the um, the other big thing that you're doing at the moment, which is you're a fellow podcast host. Um, (laughs) so you you host the richards report uh which is also uh about finance so what what made you decide to start doing a podcast and how's it going so far and you know if our listeners are interested where can they um where can they check it out yeah well um uh i guess it all it all originated with the fact that i was just some of the conversations that i was having with family and friends about what i do at work and I was I was really surprised at how quickly I could lose someone in a conversation by what I thought yeah. was toning toning things down. And um, um, sometimes people don't want to ask a question about what an acronym stands for because they don't want to um, be seen mm-hmm. to be yeah, definitely. Um, unaware of what what it, what it means. So 
Um, I, I just wanted to kind of sim- somewhat similar to what you guys are doing, you know, have a podcast that where I'd be asking what might people might think of the dumb questions and breaking jargon down, not sp- not talking in acronyms, speaking with industry experts, uh, being about trying to um, get some insight without having to, um, I guess, commit to 400 pages of a book or or pay a lot of money and and, and just start a process where someone can start to, I guess, get a, get a bit of insight and uh, form an opinion on uh, how investment works. Yeah, nice. So you spoke there about one of the aims sort of to break down the jargon and, and that sort of stuff. Do you mind sort of shedding some light? Are there any sort of simplistic tick boxes that you may personally have outside of um, Six Park when it comes to deciding what to invest in, like maybe specifically um, com- specific companies or is there anything that you look for within your style of investing that could be translatable to someone who's beginning? Uh, I, I guess I, I, by no means did I come up with this a strategy that um, is, is a, fu- a fund manager that I worked for. But if I was to look at a company, I think there's there's um, four different ways you can, uh, four important ways you could um, analyse the company. And I think a lot of risk when you're looking at um, individual companies is about the amount of debt that that company's holding. So you want to, first of all, tick off the balance sheet and make sure that that, that balance sheet's not holding too much debt. And so... Um, I'd look at net debt to EBIT and um, a few other few other measurements there to, to form a past neutral or a fail on the balance sheet and then from there move on to the quality of the business. That's quite subjective where you've got to determine is someone in a fantastic area like, I don't know, um, are they, for example, Domino's Pizza has been a, a great recent example in Australia where they're just making mm. dirt cheap pizzas whether you like them or not. And um, yeah. you know they're going around the world, and their recent reporting season wasn't wasn't great. But um, if we're looking over the last few years, that they have been a fantastic business. It's it's growing. Um, yeah, and um, so or are they um, something like a blockbuster video where you go well, that's a, that's, a, that's a fail. Um, so quality of business, passing to or a fail. Move on to the quality of management, and this is also subjective where you've got a have a look at someone's track record to form an opinion on the certainty of, as to what they and the trustworthiness as to what you think is gonna, going to happen in the future. And that's I'd probably give them a past neutral or a fail. And, um, and then you move on to the valuation, which is probably the hardest of all. And um, where we're seeing mm. probably a lot of companies tick the first three boxes, but a big cross right now in the valuation. And yeah. um, so this is by no means my... my um, my little uh, checklist. This is um, I learnt this from John Sevier, the fund manager that I worked under for quite a few years. And um, but um, that's that's how I'd, I'd look at a, a business. Yeah, all right. Yeah, nice one. So there's a there's a lot there um, in terms of what you look at, and um, you know it requires a lot of information and a lot of research. What what's your sort of go to to you know, for trusted information or for, you know, new investment ideas, where, where's the sort of first place that you look? Yeah, I, it's a good question that, and that I don't think you should eliminate anything. I think, um, and Peter Lynch is, um, he, he speaks about this is to be open to gaining insight from anywhere. And 
I, I love reading the AFR, the Fin Review, because, you know, there are some very smart journalists that write articles, but there's also the opinion that if you're reading something in the AFR about a company, it's, it's probably too late. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a, an example of that is, is a company in Australia called Catapult that make GPS units, uh, making GPS units around the world for athletes. I had one of those strapped to my back for about five years whilst I was playing football professionally. The company IPO'd. I looked into the business a bit more and decided that I wouldn't put any money in. Um, I probably should have asked and done a bit more research because it uh, turns out it's been one of the it's a real success story in Australia and they're, they're going around the world selling those GPS units to the NFL players, EPL players and other wow. soccer players around Europe. You often hear about the successes of um, a lot of investors in, in the media and, um, you know, with Bitcoin, a lot of people making lots of money, but you rarely hear about the losses that people make. I mean, I'm sure you've had some losses along the way. Is there anything that sort of sticks out and, and what was one of the biggest learnings that you took from that? Yeah, it's just um, early days getting caught up in hype, probably born out of fear of not wanting to miss out and, stocks with i guess where if you would ask me about the balance sheet quality of business the management and the valuation probably at the time i couldn't have told you that i i, I, don't, I yeah you know i couldn't have answered those yeah. questions I Just, can uh, I, yeah and um <laughs> so i i guess getting caught up in the hype is uh an expensive lesson that i've learned a couple of times and um Hopefully, I've learnt those lessons, and and I think another advantage of passive investment is that it removes behavioural bias and mistakes that we can make when you get caught up. I, I think um, a lot of people say, for example, get anchored into a, a price as what's good value and what's bad value purely because of what they paid for it, and um, so. Um, that, that's another reason why I like the passive investment strategy. Yeah, nice. I can certainly relate and I yeah, feel myself moving towards that um, sort of passive and buy, and buy and hold, set and forget as Alec calls it because, yeah, I you know, can definitely relate to the get caught up in the hype and pay for it later on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I guess um, going back to your podcast, you, you had Juddy on as a very early guest, which... Um, Sets the bar high early for future guests, I guess. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it's probably going to go down from there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, for people that aren't familiar, Chris Judd, um, famous um, Brownlee medalist in the AFL world, and um, Chris and I actually grew up together. So, and I was aware of, um, uh, like me, Chris um, has a, had a real interest in investing, and um, I wanted to uh, just, I guess, give people some insight as to. One, that he's more than a footballer, and two, how deep his analysis goes. Mm, yeah, yeah, I was pretty... Fan, I was, it was fascinating. Yeah, I was blown away. I, I didn't realise he was so into investing. Mm, yes, mm. so Chris, Chris has been able to um, earn uh, a good income from football, and um, so he, he's got a an amount of money that he manages himself right now, and I think he pretty much views that as a full-time job. He has an office that he... Um, I think he goes to and does a fair bit of reading. He's got a few mentors that help him along the way, but he has a a niche market of um, small cap stocks and micro small cap stocks that is 
his universe of stocks is very limited to. He he's not mm. out there forming an opinion on ANZ Bank or Westpac or mm. West Farmers mm. over Woolworths. He's 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 investing in companies that most of us have never heard of before, and um, I and I think he's having some success in it. Well, I hope he is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I guess the natural question from that is there. Is there any other AFL players that, you know, are secret gun investors that you might be getting on the podcast in the future? Well, um, you'll have to, um, subs- <laughs> listeners will have to subscribe to the Richards Report. Yeah, what yeah, a, check what me a out setup. On yeah, 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 definitely. And, um, that, should, that should get some listeners. Yeah, um, but um, uh, the, I try to keep the, um, the podcast under 30 minutes because I... Um, uh, I, uh, otherwise, I think people are getting sick of my voice. But the interview with Chris was going so good, so good that um, I think it went for about fifty minutes. So I split it up over two interviews because I think um, I, I couldn't c- contain it just to twenty-five or thirty minutes. Yeah, about sports people and financial literacy more general, uh, more generally, it's something that really fascinates me because you know in America the statistics are. A, you know, horrible. I think it's something like 80% of NFL players go broke within two years of retirement and it's something like 60% of NBA players go broke within five years of retirement. Do you reckon we do it better here in Australia and, you know, footy players and other sportsmen are, and men and women are set up to sort of set up their financial future from their playing days? Well, I yeah, I, I think we do and it, I, it is... Hugely concerning. I've heard those numbers before. To think of young people that have given um, huge sums of money at the start of their, you know, when they're only in their early twenties, and to think that they pro- they could be set up for life, and it has the opposite effect on the quality of life for the rest of the, um, and that they they file for bankruptcy mm. um, only a couple of years out of retirement. So I do think we do it better in Australia. I'm not sure why. I think it. Um, financial literacy plays a part and budgeting but i think it's a lot of the fact it's got it has um, comes down to maturity and um, people not getting ahead of themselves yeah that's really interesting well hopefully you know a lot of players out there can listen to the richards report and equity mates and you know learn a thing or two from them and <laughs> yeah yep, yep yeah so i guess um we'll uh we'll start to wrap up the um the big question that i guess we both have to ask you is um the grand finals coming up this weekend and (laughs) you know we'd be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on it and you know if you want to put yourself out there do you have a have a tip for the game uh you know i haven't given you a stock tip or anything like that so i may as well um (laughs) give you a uh, give you a call on this game and I've got to be careful because uh, some people are going to be listening to this in um, weeks or months from now and go, <laughs> True. That, that, that Richards was way off. <laughs> um, but um, I, with, when, I was surprised that um, Trent Cotchin got let off um, this week. So I think... Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I, 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 and I want him to play, but I, I did think that um, I, I was probably leaning towards the fact that he... He was looking at a suspension because uh, I just thought that's what the AFL was going to. And so when that happened, I thought, well, the footy gods are shining, uh, are looking down on Richmond. And I, I think um, um, it'll continue. I'm caught up on the, the Tigers bandwagon. I'm, I'm living in Melbourne these days. And um, it's 
just to see a club that's been so deprived of success for so long um, be in this opportunity. It is it is exciting, but equally, I do feel for the Adelaide Crows because that club has been through a lot um, for yes. different reasons, both yes. for the players and, and coaches. And um, I think it would be a great story if the Crows did win, uh, and it would be good for football too. But I um, I think. Uh, have the, the Tigers to continue on and um, Dusty Martin having Lee Matthews Good. called it the, the, the best season ever by an individual. I, 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 I think um, you're a fool if you um, or take a contrarian view on Dustin Martin <laughs> right now. So I, 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 yes. I see that to continue. Yeah. Is he going to go the big three, the Brownlow, the Premiership and the Norm Smith? We'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, the, the four mine says that he, he will continue and um, uh, hopefully th- this uh, all the events of this week and um, the media commitments from winning the Brownlow hasn't isn't going to take a toll on him. Yeah, true. Oh, I mean, Melbourne has a grand, what is it, a public holiday for grand final weekend on the Friday and I think if Richmond win, you're going to have a public holiday on the Monday because Melbourne's going to go into meltdown. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> it's just going to go nuts. Yeah, on a side note, I think the public holiday should be on the Monday anyway, not the Friday. I think most people just take the yeah. day off on Friday anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, we'll, we'll wrap up, Ted, and um, really appreciate your time coming on. We we always like to finish with two questions. You've sort of answered them um, earlier in the podcast, but just to sort of refresh or if anything yep. else you'd like to add. Uh, the first is, is there any must-read book that you would recommend, financial or otherwise, it doesn't matter, that it would be great for a beginner or that you've really found beneficial throughout your sort of process? And then secondly, more generally, any pieces of advice that you'd like to sort of give to those that are looking at really just getting started in, in investing? Um, I, I guess to answer the first, the first question is... Um... Uh, I read. I, I think Buffett comes out and said uh, it's got a quote something like, um, "Read as much as you can, and, and um, the younger you start, the better." And so, books are fantastic. Whether it is Peter Lynch or Howard Marks, Buffett, or there's also um, I can remember reading a great book, um, "Bulls Bear and a Croupier." I think Kidman might have written that, and that, that's a that's um, uh, an Australian fund manager that wrote that book. Hedgehogging is another good book, but I, I think um, buying a subscription to the AFR and, and getting into a daily habit of reading that is a um, it's fantastic advice. What was, what was the second part to the question? The second was, you know, if just some general, do you have any sort of general advice for those that are looking at getting started in investing? Yeah, I, um, I guess the advice would be um, don't put all your eggs in one basket understand your circle of competence in that if you do go down the active active path and um, you, you want to start stock picking, be aware that there's someone on the other side of that every trade and it, it does come with a, a certain level of commitment um, that you need to stay on top of these. There's not too many stocks that I think are set and forgets with the way, way the world's moving. And um, I, I guess that would be the, that would be the advice just um, – be conservative and um, don't just uh, jump straight in the deep end. Yeah, nice. Some great pieces of advice and um, some and some great books there. Um, so yeah, look, Ted, really appreciate your time coming on um, and, and sharing that with us and telling us a bit about Six Park, something that 
I'm, I'm certainly going to have a look at. And yep. um, as we mentioned, you've got the Richards report as well. So for any of our listeners um, that want to get another take on um, investing, um, j- definitely jump on and, and have a listen to that. So yeah, a big thanks from us. And um, we'll probably look forward to hopefully having a, another one further on down the track, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Absolute pleasure, guys. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.